You're listening to Level Up's Emerging Market Series with Melissa Zalou from IronSource and Tom Wyman, Senior Market Analyst at NewZoo. So welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. This week, I'm especially excited because we're kicking off a new mini-series all about emerging game markets together with NewZoo. Tom Wyman, who's Senior Market Analyst at NewZoo, will be co-hosting the next several episodes with me, and we'll be talking to game industry leaders from around the world. Today on the show, we have Rahul Ravindranath, Monetization Specialist at Aminotes, who comes from Vietnam, or Aminotes comes from Vietnam. Rahul is going to talk to us about the mobile gaming industry in Southeast Asia. And thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So, Tom, let's maybe start with you. Tell us how you became Senior Market Analyst at NewZoo. Uh, maybe a little bit for, for listeners who don't know, uh, what does NewZoo do um, and what does your job entail? Sure. Uh, thank you, Melissa. Um, so it's almost a classic story, really. Um, I was doing a lot of the same type of work that I was, I'm doing now, uh, but in a financial services job. Uh, working as a consultant, but I was always a big fan of gaming and a player myself. Uh, so as soon as I saw an opportunity to move into uh, gaming, I, I made the jump over three years ago, and uh, I have not looked back since. Yeah, so Newsu, we are a intelligence provider for the games and esports industry. So we provide uh, market sizing data, uh, how many players there are, how much revenues are being generated in gaming. Um, we do uh, local and global research, uh, tracking data. Um, we are probably the best known for our global markets report, global market reports, which we publish yearly. Uh, one did we do on the global games market and the other we publish on the global esports market. And myself, I am responsible for one of those reports, uh, the global games market research, um, which means that I um, have the final say on what goes into that report. Um, I am responsible for all the modeling we do for the global market. Uh, so that's everything, including uh, the number of players, the number of revenues uh, on mobile, but also for PC and console gaming. Um, and that is also on a global level, but also down to the country specific level. Mm-hmm. And how, how old is Newzoo? When was it founded? Uh, Newzoo was originally founded in 2007. So almost 13 years, turning 13 this year. Um, I have to say that back when Newzoo was founded, it was um, we only did consumer research, survey-based consumer research, um, and we only started doing the uh, global market reports. I believe the first one we published on the games market was in 2011. Right, because uh, I, I imagine it must be a very kind of interesting to see how much more, I'm assuming, how much more attention kind of the game industry is getting and how much more, um, I think, much more demand there must be for sort of uh, well-done research on the market, uh, especially if gaming kind of heats up and gets more attention even in the mainstream. Absolutely. And what's been fascinating is seeing how our clientele has changed with it because we, um, in the early years, we mostly worked with game publishers, game developers, people that are already knowledgeable and active in the games industry, but in industry, but in the recent years, we've been working with consumer brands, car brands, fashion, um, fast moving consumer goods, banks, consultants, really every 
every other industry is looking into uh, the promising market that is gaming. Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> uh, we see it too. And Rahul, you're a monetization specialist at Amanotes, as I said. Uh, tell us about your path into gaming and how you ended up working in Vietnam with Amanotes. Uh, yeah, so it's actually a funny story. I've been pretty much uh, like grew up all around Asia. So I'm originally from India and I grew up in Cambodia and Vietnam as well. And I ended up here doing my higher education. Uh, so I did a degree in economics and finance and I found Amadouts through my university at the time. Are you a gamer? And yes, I've always been a gamer. So, but, and I really like the variety. So I play on PC, I play console with my friends and obviously mobile. And it just happened to meet Silver at the time, who is our CPO. And it seemed like a wonderful place to work at. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, and what does your job entail? Yeah, so uh, I work in the product function, uh, which is basically uh, we look across all the teams. So here at Aminotes, we have independent teams taking care of a group of products. And we look at it uh, company-wide so that we can provide learning from one team to another and provide that cohesion between the teams. So specifically for monetization, we look at monetization aspects of the product and we come up with uh, new revenue opportunities, conduct testing, and then help facilitate the scaling for the other products. Mm -hmm. And Amanox publishes music games. Was there a specific reason for focusing on this niche? Yeah, so uh, we're actually a music tech company, and that's our slogan is everyone can music, and it's a verb, not a noun. And yeah, so music always comes first for us, and gaming is just a great way for our users to interact with the music and really elevate the music experience. And, and do you guys um, only develop in-house or are your games from external studios, if you're a music-first company, if you will? Yeah, so we actually, um, we actually started off as an in-house uh, team and that's where we developed like, our big title, like uh, Magic Tiles 3. And now we have a good mix of both publishing and in-house teams. And when we look at uh, the publishing team, they, they help uh, bring in uh, developers and try to musicalize the games. And that's where we get like games like Tiletop, so from our publishing partners. And our publishing team helps to, to really uh, facilitate the process to, to enrich the game, if you might say so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To musicalize, I like it. Yeah. Um, and, and do you sort of see that there are significant differences in terms of what monetizes in certain countries? For example, are VIP subscriptions for Magic Tiles 3 more popular than in the US than, than in Southeast Asia? Yeah, so that's something that yeah we do see, and uh, currently we're still mostly monetizing ad based, um, and majority of our revenue comes from there. But we are tinkering with like subscription and improving the model, so that's where we really see that um, the the ge geo really matters. So, for example, countries like US and countries within Europe and Japan, there's a lot more potential for us to tailor for those users and really focus on the, the user behavior to ensure like more revenue coming from subscription. So that's, uh, that's something that we're looking at. It. Mm -hmm. and, and Tom, I'm now turning to you, although Rahul, given your um, life background, you probably could answer this too, but let's, looking at the Southeast Asian mobile gaming market, let's start by defining exactly uh, what it is. So what countries um, comprise sort of Southeast Asia, uh, which are the most prominent uh, so the, the way we look at Southeast Asia is um, there are six markets that 
are the most prominent in the uh, region. And this this is really the six market that most, most companies we work with look at. Those are Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, and Singapore. Um, now, in terms of revenues, um, Indonesia would be the largest market, followed by Thailand and Malaysia. Um, however, I th the, we, there are multiple ways to look at it. Uh, Singapore is very important for the region as well, being um, in a country where a lot of people speak Chinese and being culturally close to China, which is obviously the world's largest game market. Um, and if we're looking at the specific thing, for example, esports, then Vietnam all of a sudden rises in in importance because uh, esports is particularly uh, very popular in in Vietnam. So there are multiple ways to really look at look at it, but those six markets are really the most important ones when we work with people talking about the Southeast Asian market. Uh, but I am also interested to to hear Raul's uh, view on this. Yeah, so um, exactly, like these are the six key markets that we look at as well. So it's, I think, around 90% of the users within C. Uh, and uh, like there's a lot of minute differences between these markets that contributes to, to how we can kind of uh, change our approach for each of these markets. Uh, and like Tom mentioned, uh, there are certain differences in even the genre popularities. Um, I, I have a question perhaps for Tom or, or, or both of you. Do you, which out of the, we talked about which of the markets kind of biggest in terms of revenue, but what about in terms of rate of growth? Uh, do we see other Southeast Asian markets kind of rise to the top in terms of the kind of speed of growth that they've seen recently? Well, coming from a, a data uh, analyst uh, company, of course, I have an answer for yes. this. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, when we're talking about growth rates, um, it's very similar, um, but we do expect that it, we're talking minute differences here, but we do expect that the Philippines will slightly outgrow in terms of speed of growth, uh, Indonesia, which is currently the largest market by revenue. Um, but we're talking about 21% growth uh, to for the next three years versus 17%. Just looking at the stats here. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's a small difference, and when we're looking at the the size of the market as a whole, um, it doesn't mean that the Philippines is is going to be the number one market by revenue anytime soon. Uh, that's going to still be Indonesia, and that's really because simply because of the the sheer number of players in that country. Mm -hmm. And can you talk a little bit about the history of the gaming market there? Um, I mean, in, in Southeast Asia as a whole, not just in Indonesia or the Philippines. Was it mobile first or, or like sort of um, other parts of the world, kind of video gaming came first and, and then kind of mobile uh, rose to prominence? It was, again, the, the way we're talking about Southeast Asia now, I would say it's a mobile first market. Um, because the, the numbers that we're talking about now, the growth rate that gets a lot of companies excited in the games market, that is due to the mobile internet revolution and to the mobile devices revolution. Uh, of course, there were traditional video games and there particularly Singapore is an important market because there is already a tradition of PC gaming there more so than the other countries. But even in the other countries, like people that had access to internet, had access to PCs, they would play these games, they would play PC games, they would play console games, but it's a very niche activity simply because the accessibility of these devices was not that high, it's still not that high. 
But now due to mobile internet and the affordability of it and the uh, cheaper devices that we have seen enter the market for the last five, six, maybe even longer uh, years, that that combined um, makes it so that Southeast Asia is now the fastest growing mobile games market in the world. Yeah, as, as Tom said, yeah, it's around 70% of the revenue at the moment, like mobile, ga uh, mobile game revenue. And to the point of like uh, traditional gaming PC and console, uh, I think the, the, the culture is also slightly different in terms of uh, there's a very popular gaming cafe scene here um, rather than just having uh, like individual PC and console within every household. It, it's more of something that is done socially and kind of uh, due to the high cost to, to, to um, get these devices, uh, the, the gaming scene was really in cafes and that's really popular across this region. You see that a lot of people just go, go to the common place and play together. Uh, if I might add to Rahul point, Rahul's point on uh, cafes and that popularity, that, that's actually a very good point. And, and it, it ties into the story of mobile really making that, making this market so interesting because one of the things with a PC cafe as such is that your your um, options for spending are, are more limited. And it's also due to um, <clears throat> how you spend on certain items in game. We, say a popular online game where you pay through um, PayPal or, or, or your credit card or anything like that. Like all these payment options might not have been available in all these countries in Southeast Asia. Um, and now with mobile and, and just paying through the app store, that has also become a lot easier. So it's not just the devices or the internet, but it's also the, the opportunity to spend. And, and Tom, according to, to Newzoo, Southeast Asia is, the, is currently the fastest growing mobile games market in the world. Um, the stat I have, and I'm assuming it's yours, uh, is 19.2% year over year growth. Um, and Newzoo expects it to grow to, from 3 billion um, this year, or last year, I should say, we're now in 2020, to 5.3 billion in 2022. Uh, with also a big increase in the number of gamers. What do you think is driving this growth? We've talked about kind of the rise of mobile. Are there any other factors that, that are driving this growth? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I th indeed, the stat is mine. Um, so <laughs> that, as I said, it's the mobile internet, it's the devices. Um, looking to the next couple of years, what we expect will contribute to growth is uh, 5G, 5G networks that will make it even easier to play games, will make it even smoother to play a bit more complex games uh, through the internet. Possibly, I'm not gonna definitely say that this is gonna change the market, but uh, the rise of uh, technologies like cloud gaming will make uh, core games more accessible for people with strong internet, but maybe not the latest devices to play games on. So then I'm talking about the technologies like Google Stadia, uh, Microsoft Project xCloud, GeForce Now that just entered um, that when it came out of beta this week, uh, all those factors uh, improve the accessibility of games and especially uh, core games um, for emerging markets. So that could definitely drive growth there as well. And on that topic, it's also the, um, we see more core, mid-core games. So a bit more mobile games with a bit more complexity um, with more game mechanics. Um, we see that enter the market. We've seen that enter the markets um, for the past years. Um, but those are also really the, the games that, that drive spend up and that drive in-game spend, so not advertising revenues up quite a bit. Um, and 
those games are really popular in Southeast Asia as well, and we expect that to drive growth as well. And Rahul, besides um, Aminotes, what are the other kind of big gaming companies making a name for themselves in the region? Um, so yeah, there there are like uh, really big players in this market, especially like uh, Garena and VNG, uh, and and a lot of smaller gaming publishers as well popping up. So I mean, mobile is uh, mobile market is like really having a low barrier to entry. So we see a lot of these companies coming in. Um, but as uh, we're more of like a music tech company, we kind of focus on uh, other markets and we don't really consider them as a direct competitor. So but we still keep track of uh, what's out there. So talk to me about competition. Um, what What is it? Is it hyper-competitive at the moment? Um, is the Southeast Asia market dominated by big companies or is it accessible uh, for, for new guys as well? Yeah, so like I mentioned, the, for mobile especially, the, the barrier for entry is really low. And this always makes it more accessible for new and smaller developers uh, and to expand and to really uh, increase the number of games in the market. And again, it's a vicious cycle where um, we have more games out there providing a variety of choices. And then the users are able to join this ecosystem. So we have large number of gamers coming in. And this really accelerates the growth process. And especially in Southeast Asia, like uh, free-to-play models are doing really well. And that's where we see that even small developers can really uh, help elevate the, the overall gaming within Southeast Asia. Tom, are you seeing anything interesting um, from the data side on competition in Southeast Asia or markets within the region that are seeing a lot of competition? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. So talking about the region as a well, whole, what's very interesting about this Southeast Asian market for us is the fact that um, even the companies that, that Rahul already mentioned, so Garena, VNG, uh, they capture a fair share of the market, but they're not at that dominant that there's no room for others. So we see a lot of interest from, from foreign companies um, or companies with foreign headquarters in the market as well, combined with the fact that it's such a promising market in terms of growth. Uh, so we've seen um, Chinese companies that are very eager to enter the market, Tencent, of course, being one of the primary ones there. Uh, but also in the past, we've seen EA, uh, Activision Blizzard, so really US-based Western uh, companies that have also taken an interest in the market, um, which makes the market rather unique um, in a sense that it's almost like an open playground or an open <laughs> battleground between these Chinese-based, China-based companies, the Western-based companies, and some local players. And then there's the factor that some of the local players um, got their market share mostly through licensing other people's games for launch. So it's it's a very interesting market in terms of competition. And, and now that it's rising in relevance, it's and it's such a promising market that is going only, like we'll only see that increase, I think. Um, so Rahul, I had a question for you as well. So I, I think I spoke before about it in Vietnam, that it's really, that esports is such a big thing there, but um, some people see that Southeast Asia is, is the home of mobile esports as a whole. And, and why do you think competitive gaming is so popular on mobile there? Yeah, so, I mean, the data reflects that as well. Like, if we look at this um, region in general, it's it contributes to, like, 51% of the global esport enthusiasts. And I think this, again, goes back to the, the culture and also the, the general competitive spirit within the region. 
Um, we even see that on mobile, like um, battle royales are doing really well. And we have like localized versions of these games within each of these countries as well. So uh, that's something that I think uh, really pushes into the esports. And also the, the, there's also the recognition from um, within uh, Southeast Asia. So uh, esport games are being included in the 2022 Asia, Asian sports. Uh, which is a major thing. And we also see a lot of esports academies within Singapore and Malaysia springing up. So it's kind of the encouragement of esports within this region. Maybe if I can ask a follow-up question on that as well. Um, what we typically see in esports is that it starts from a driven PC or console community, mostly PC actually, that, that drives this as a grassroots movement. Um, First question, maybe does did Southeast Asia, to your knowledge, have a similar uh, scene for for PC esports back before mobile became a really big thing? Yeah, so exactly. That's uh, esports is like uh, one of the biggest things being played within these uh, internet cafes that I mentioned before. So that's uh, really common here for um, people to go after school or after, um, uh, after like whenever they have the free time to go into these uh, internet cafes and play together as a team. And this really kind of elevated ones uh, were able to do it mobily and really just go into a cafe and sit with your friends and play play within a team. So it, it kind of really is always been there, but uh, it doesn't reflect in the numbers when we look at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, what what are the plans for uh, Amanotes to uh, enter the esports space? Are there any? Uh, at the moment, no, we don't have any plans for esports, but I'll take that into consideration. Yeah, <laughs> I guess the, the game format doesn't lend itself yeah. uh, that well yet. Yeah, but I think uh, communal gaming is something that's very important for us either way. Um, having a community and also having users interact with each other, that's still an aspect that we look at. Uh, maybe not in a very super competitive format, Okay, makes sense. Uh, hey, you mentioned that there's a lot of smaller local developers um, in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the indie scene like? Yeah, so the the indie scene is really really strong actually, and and we see that uh, like it's rapidly expanding and growing. And even from our publishing team, we see the the growth in number of developers uh, that really want to um, put out a lot of games and really enter the market. And that's where we. Uh, I think Google as well has seen this and they have like a indie game accelerator program for, for specifically designed for C developers. So it's kind of, again, going back to the recognition of the potential within the market. Oh, yeah, I've seen those Google, uh, Google indie accelerators before as well. Um, that's a good program to have, I think. Maybe as a next thought, um, I, I was talking about 5G and how important it could be for the region earlier. Uh, what do you think about the impact 5G could have uh, on, in the region? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting to hear about that. Um, uh, yeah, there is a lot of potential with 5G and once it comes out, and since uh, a lot of the mobile gaming is uh, a majority here, we do see a potential in this really impacting this industry. But uh, And also we have like countries like Singapore, Vietnam, and Cambodia taking a lot of initiative to really build that infrastructure and to fully utilize it. Um, but I think the time frame might be a little bit longer than what is expected um, for all the infrastructure to be in place and all the parties to embrace this technology. Um, so that's one point that I would like to mention. It's a good, yeah, it's uh, from, if you look at the reports, it's, um, 
it sounds like it's going very well, but apparently from your experience, it might be a bit longer than, than we, uh, than we expect. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. Especially with mobile gaming. Uh, what, what it does is it empowers people from like, it doesn't need to be from a urban hub. Um, uh, mobile gamers can be from anywhere and for 5G to reach across each of these countries, it, it, it would take a long time, I believe, or longer time. I um, this question actually is, is for both of you. Um, how? What about kind of the the situation of the app stores? How important um, is Google Play kind of versus Apple's App Store? Um, and how important are third party app stores? Uh, so, for example, kind of app stores of different phone carriers or, or OEMs uh, compared to kind of the big the big two. I should say Tom answer this first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, I was I was gonna wait. Um... So on a, based on our data, um, the Google Play Store is vastly bigger in terms of users, um, less so in terms of revenues, but it's still um, uh, quite considerably bigger than, than Apple's uh, store in the region. And that's simply due to the number of users. Uh, and I think this ties back to the, to the uh, mostly to the devices that I spoke about earlier um, during our talk, uh, because those cheaper devices that make uh, mobile gaming um, and internet more accessible to, to the population in Southeast Asia. Most of those devices are run on Android um, and Apple's devices are typically aimed at, aimed at the more you know higher tier of the market. So that makes it a bit less accessible. Um, but I would also like to hear from Raul specifically how important those those third-party app stores are so those phone carriers uh, or oem app stores yeah so i, I think third party there is a small presence of third-party stores um but compared to a country like china where third-party stores are really important i don't think it's as impactful and and like tom mentioned uh, the dominance is still in android and back to his point of how android devices are much cheaper and there's a lot of brands within each of these countries that are exclusively making Android phones with a really low price. Uh, this really empowers the users to, to buy more Android phones. Um, but iOS is picking up in, in volume and also picking up in terms of uh, number of users. And uh, if we're looking at in-app spending, like iOS users are way, way more easier to, to monetize, uh, whereas Android is still on more of a traditional ad-based model. I think that's something that's also kind of repeated globally, I mean, true globally as well. Exactly, yeah. And even though that's the case, within Southeast Asia, we have like, uh, for example, Indonesia is 90% uh, on on uh, Android devices, whereas Philippines is only 40% on Android devices. So we have these small differences um, within each of the countries within Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's also a question for kind of both of you, um, but I want to look at sort of, um, we talked about monetization and kind of ads versus uh, in-game spending. How does, how does it sort of stack up? Uh, we talked about the Philippines and Indonesia, I think, just now, um, but, uh, but how does it stack up uh, across the rest of the region? And are we seeing a trend, right? Do we see kind of more from ad-based, more in-app uh, or the other way around? Um, yeah, so the, to the point I made before, like um, ad-based is still more prevalent in this region, uh, even though the, the ARPDAO we see is quite low compared to other regions, um, but it, it is much easier to do it that way. Um, and this is mostly due to the high volume and high inventory. 
So especially in this region, the average time spent on a phone is almost double like the US, for example. So it it really adds to the ad-based model. And uh, the in-game spending is quite low at the moment. And I don't expect a massive change in this in the future. Mm -hmm. And Tom, from the data perspective? Um, well, I, I fully, almost fully agree with what Rahul was saying, and and it's it's not that much a surprise to see that that in-app spending is is picking up, but it's going slowly, um, and that it differs a lot per uh, device, or maybe not per device, but per brand. Um, we're seeing the same thing in different markets. We have seen same thing in different markets that are now a bit further along uh, the maturity scale than than Southeast Asia is. Um, and it's also coming with the type of games that people are playing, I think. So um, if people, some people will will switch or add a bit more complex core, mid-core is what we call them, games to what they are playing. And for these games, we typically expect in-game spending to be higher um, than advertising and then the relative uh, importance of in-game spending to be higher than advertising. Whereas advertising is and will be the the more dominant form of monetization for for casual oriented games. And kind of jumping to looking at Southeast Asia as a place for kind of foreign developers to grow in and for kind of Southeast Asian developers to grow out of. Um, what are some of the kind of main challenges that a foreign developer might face when it comes to penetrating the Southeast Asian market? So you had Supercell, who saw some success with Brawl Stars, but was this an exception to the rule or kind of a herald of things to come? Um, um, I think, yeah, so Supercell's, I, I don't think it's necessarily an exception to the rule, uh, to go into that point uh, first. It was an early success, though, um, but I expect we'll see more of it in the future. I, I do think it'll be more difficult for Western uh, companies to enter the market simply because um, culturally speaking, the divide is, is quite a bit bigger than with maybe Japanese and Chinese-based companies. Um, so some of the main challenges, I think, uh, and I definitely want Rahul to add on to this as well, um, but some of the main challenges from our perspective is uh, treating Southeast Asia as one region where it's really uh, at least six markets with with very different, unique player players, uh, genre preferences, um, spending behavior, uh, even economic situation. Uh, they are just very culturally very different uh, countries, and and to enter this market, trying to enter it as one market as a whole is is very challenging, and and, and a, maybe a very common mistake to make. And Rahul, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I completely agree with Tom in that point. Um, and I think there's, um, especially for us, since we are doing more hyper-casual and I bet for casual as well, the 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 differences might not be that uh, impactful, but especially for mid-core and hardcore games, um, really need to look into each country within the region separately. That's, that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks so much for being uh, with us on the show today, Rahul, and Tom for guest hosting uh, with me. It was a really meaty episode and, and it was a real blast to chat um, with both of you. Everyone else, thanks for listening, as always, and tune in next episode for more game experts talking about emerging game markets.